Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. You know, uh, in the lead up to our 25th, next week we've got, we got baptisms. So we'll be talking really into baptisms next week uh, and talking about that and, uh, and praying with people. So that'll be a powerful family uh, services next Sunday. And uh, you want to be here for that. And also praying and cheering on those who are being baptised that, uh, that they'll get established into the kingdom, fully established, but then also be really used by the Lord from there. But I just thought, what's a message, you know, that really, you know, from the day I got saved, what was the Lord impressing on me from when I got saved? And what I think for 25 years is one of the, you know, it's not the only thing, but it's certainly one of the most key things that God uh, calls you to become and to do. And I thought I'd share that today because it's definitely wasn't on my mindset when I became a Christian, but pretty quickly as I began to read the Bible by the way, get a Bible app, listen to it in the morning. It's a, start your day with the Bible, two chapters, a proverb a day. Start in the Gospels and uh, hear the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. So, um, but I remember as I began to hear the Word of God, I began to really feel a strong impression from as I would hear the Scripture as a new Christian, that God was making something very clear about what He wanted me to be character-wise and to do. And so I'm going to talk about that today. I think it's one of the most important messages in my 25 years of, uh, 25 years of ministry here in Perth is um, what I'm going to talk about in a minute. But I entitled it, God Wants You to Win. God Wants You to Win. Let me just say that one more time. God Wants You to Win. And I'm going to just talk about how He does that. And when you, and what happens is ultimately you win in this life, but you certainly win in the next life. But you'll win in this life, but you're also a setting up the win for others. Can I encourage you? God calls you to set up the win for others. Julia, so good to see you there in the service. So good to see you. Who's glad to see Julia? She's just broke her wrist. We're so glad you're there. Praying you'll be continue to be healed, Julia. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So glad to see you there. So, um, yeah, so, so yeah, so we, we're called to set up the win for others. Did you know that? And what a privilege. But God wants you to win. And, uh, and here's what I'm going to head into is what I discovered is God always wanted me to base everything that I did now on the foundation of His Word. The foundation of His Word is the basis for everything. From there, build a relationship with the Lord daily which didn't mean I would be all day hearing the Bible. I had to go to work. Same for you. Some of us get like, oh my gosh, I just need to spend all day. Well, maybe if you don't need to work, good. <laughs> but when you're, you know, when you're younger and you're getting started, but I had to start putting God's Word into my life, having my Bible app happening, giving, started to pray and seek the Lord and then begin to pray in the Holy Spirit and pray God's will through. So relationship, the Word of God is number one. Relationship is number two uh, because your foundation has to be there. Some people think that they have a relationship with the Lord, but it's not according to the Scripture. And so sometimes I'm like, hang on a minute, the Bible doesn't say that. So it's like, what does the Bible say? 
let that instruct our hearts, instruct our minds. But from there, I discovered that through God's magnificent love, <laughs> let me just say that, His magnificent love, not small love, God's magnificent love for you is that God was going to stabilise me from a broken life, stabilise me and then stabilise me in His house. Some of us are still not stable, yet we've been saved a very long time. We still wander in our heads. We still wander in our hearts. Everybody, God wants you stable. The Bible says those planted in the house of the Lord flourish, planted in your heart. When you get that, that's a heart thing. That's a, that's a I'm planted in the house of God. I'm not a pot plant. Everybody, I'm not a pot plant. You're not a pot plant. You're not called to be a pot plant. Now, as you heard me say before, God will add people to churches. If you've been added to Global Heart Church, welcome. We're so glad. But the mission of the church is always to see people saved. And you know you've been added when, here's the three things usually I see over 42 years, 40 years of, 35 years of being a pastor, is God adds people to teach them something that they need to know. So He's uh, adding them so that you're learning something. If you're, this is for people who are already a Christian. You're already a Christian. Or he's adding that you take on new levels of service or new levels of responsibility. And the new level of service might be that you start. Because <laughs> there's a lot of Christians who don't understand that. But it might be that you start serving or you take on a new level of service or a new level of responsibility. So that's how you know that this person has actually been added. That's been my Sue's experience. Whenever God moved us, we were taking, we definitely could see quickly God saying, hey, serve at a new level, take on extra responsibility or new responsibility. And, uh, and all of that was so that we could win. God wants you to win in Jesus' name. But the word that I want to bring to you, which I'm just going to, I've got some great quotes today from people, is uh, the word that God calls us then to serve Him and to serve others. It's the word serve. Albert Schweitzer said, I don't know what your destiny will be, but one thing I do know, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. He said, I don't know what your destiny will be, we're not all fully sure. God leads us as we follow him. But he says, but the one thing I do know, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. Mark ten forty five. Jesus said this. He said, for even, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How amazing is that? The Son of God. <laughs> Jesus speaking says, even the Son of Man, even myself, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Our example, everybody, in the Christian life is Jesus. He's your example. He's my example. And he came and I still, all everybody who's been around a long time with me, been saved for decades, can you still get it in your head that the Son of God came not to be served, but to serve? Like just your head, you're just like, what? So we need to realise if the Son of God came to do that and then He's exampling to us that this is what I've called you to be and to do, then we need to take that really soberly and seriously if you're a believer. 
Billy Graham said, the highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. Wow. Billy Graham again, the incredible evangelist. The highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. He's basically saying, when we worship God with our singing, that's wonderful. And, our, and we lift our hands and lift our voices. But real worship to God is along more costly lines. It's the worship of unselfish Christian service, where what we're doing, we're doing unto God. He went on to say that the greatest form of praise is the sound of consecrated feet, seeking out the lost and the hopeless. <laughs> the greatest form of praise is the sound of consecrated feet, seeking out the lost and the hopeless. If you became part of our Missions Faith Promises for 2024, that's exactly what we're doing. So your feet became consecrated when you set out on the mission to reach the lost, which we're doing through a tenacious house and reach those who many times feel hopeless in our community, but also some of the men that we are serving through tenacious house, but also serving our community. Then reaching now around the world with bringing the gospel to different places where God has called us. He says that that's the greatest form of praise. So, buddy, how do we do this? How do we do this? How Some of us go like, I don't know how I can do that. How can I do that? Just remember this, God is our life source. God is your life source. Come on, God is your life source. The Holy Spirit is your empowerer. That's why sometimes you see, uh, you know, you'll see religion and religious people and, it's, and sometimes people think it looks dead, right? Because it can be dead. Because people, you can be doing the external and trying to please God, but the source and the empowering is not there because Jesus said, unless you're born again, John 3, 3, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't see it, can't understand it. He said, let alone enter it. So to enter it, you have to be born again by the Holy Spirit and then listen, filled with the Holy Spirit to follow Christ and be empowered by Him, not by yourself. Anybody else run out of steam ever? I never ran out of steam at 50. 60? A little bit of steam running out there occasionally. And so you've got to keep saying, Lord, thank you, hello, for your grace. Thank you for your empowerment. And also too, when you had a busy life and you've been, you know, you, many of us have been giving for a long time. You have got to come to God and say, Lord, thank you that you're my life source. You're my empowerment. Holy Spirit, empower me again so that I can live the Christian life, not from my own striving and strength, but from your grace and your power in Jesus' Name. That's how Psalm 102 is able to say, serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. In the Amplified, Psalm 100 verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness and delight. Come before His presence with joyful singing. Serve the Lord with gladness and delight. Why does the Bible say that? Because life will give you so many reasons not to serve the Lord with gladness nor delight. <laughs> Sometimes people in church will give you many reasons not to serve the Lord with gladness or delight, right? Because people are people and we're people. And uh, none of us are perfect, but I want to encourage you, really, the Bible's saying, come to God first, let Him grace you. He's your life source. He's your empowerment. And then from that, make a decision to serve the Lord with gladness and delight. 
you know, I don't always feel like doing everything that I do. Somebody said to me this year, oh my gosh, you just love doing all those things that you do. And I'm like, <laughs> have you been drinking? I don't know. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, so many things that, you know, I, I'm doing, I do love because God's called me to love them. But many times they're costly. Many times. And sometimes deeply costly. Deeply costly. But I choose to say, Lord, grace me to serve you with gladness and delight. Grace me to serve you with gladness and delight. Everybody, there's a grace to serve the Lord with gladness and delight. And, um, and also too, you've got to keep coming back to God because we run out. <laughs> Who was it talked about compassion fatigue? People involved in compassionate ministries, you've really got to keep coming back to God because you, you can get compassion fatigue. You start out full of all compassion, loving people for decades, years or a year, whatever it is, some it's a year. And then suddenly you're like, oh, I'm done with them, done with this, done with them, right? We need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your grace again so that I can be serving you and doing what you've called me to do. Charles Spurgeon said, if we actively serve him, then our blood would begin to circulate spiritually and it would be well with you. Let me say, if we actively serve him, the Lord, our blood would begin to circulate spiritually. Isn't that true? You, if you're not in any level of service in the kingdom, there's no spiritual circulation. And the great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, has nailed it. And he says, but when you do, it will be well with you. I love that. He's saying the truth. It'll be well with you. Things will go well when you're serving Him. And when the, there is spiritual circulation, your blood is beginning to move. That's why um, sometimes you can go to church and think, well, I don't know why they're all happy. Oh, they're not. And by the way, they're not all happy. (laughs) I don't know why they're doing that. I don't know why. I don't know why everybody, if you're not active in spiritual service, your circulation is stopped or stopping. I remember a great story Joyce Meyer told um, at the Hillsong Conference one year when I was there. And uh, it was so funny. But Joyce said there was a woman that had come to her conference for... Uh, you know, a couple of decades. And, uh, and this woman, Joyce had some kind of small contact with, but not a major contact. And she said that the woman uh, started coming to her meetings in a conference and said to, and the woman said to the Lord, Lord, what's wrong with Joyce? She's lost it, Lord. Joyce is not the same as she used to be. She hasn't quite got the edge that she had. I don't feel the anointing as much as I do from Joyce like I did. And so she's telling the Lord this and then she was sitting in a chair at home and then the Lord said to her, it's not Joyce, it's you. And, uh, and the woman was stunned to have this, you know, she was never thinking that she, she knew it was God because she would never say that to herself. <laughs> it's not Joyce, it's you. And then she's like, Lord, what do you mean? And she said, you come to conference after conference and church meeting after church meeting, but you don't give out at all. And she said, you're not giving out. You just continually are one way receiving. And, and the Lord said to her, until you give out, there will be no freshness and spiritual life force in you or out of you. And so the Lord said, it's not Joyce, it's you. Anyway, the woman was a humble lady because apparently she was at some other smaller event and she went and told Joyce the story. 
And then, and, uh, and, and it's humble. I said to Joyce, Joyce, I'm thinking, you know, you've lost it. And then she says, and then the Lord told me, I never had it. She thinks Joyce has lost it, but she never had it. She missed the fact that any river that is not flowing becomes toxic, becomes, becomes dead. Any river that's not flowing, any Christian that's not flowing becomes filled with all kinds of dead thinking, <laughs> dead heartedness. And so you've got to look and go, hang on, is there a, is there a flow in my life? And, uh, and I think Joyce made the comment once too, you cannot be happy and selfish at the same time. Great wisdom right there. You cannot be happy and selfish at the same time. As we serve others, we are working, everybody, listen to this, on ourselves. As we serve others, we are in fact working on ourselves every act, every word, every gesture of genuine service or compassion nourishes our hearts as well. It's not a question of who is healed first because both the receiver and the giver are being healed as the person steps out to serve another. Jesus said in Matthew 16, he told his disciples, they're all gathered round, they're all waiting for Jesus' words. And Jesus turns to them and says, if anyone wants to follow me or come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whatever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall it profit a man or a woman? What will they give in return for their soul? So Jesus is letting us know that if you want to follow Christ, then you have your own cross. Every Christian will have their own cross. There's something that is painful. It's like the, I talked the other week about the Olympic champion. So many of them are playing injured, running injured. Um, you know, um, in people in high level sport competition, you find out later they've got a broken leg and they win, and, but they're playing with a cross. So we need to realise that it's not going to always be wonderful every moment of your life. Sometimes today's the day of pick up my cross and do something that I don't really want to do. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He actually asked the Father, if there's any way you can let this pass from me, please do. And, uh, and then Jesus said, which is what we need to all <laughs> ask the Lord to help us say, nevertheless, your will be done. And Jesus says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Why are some Christians bored? Why are a lot of Christians bored? Why do they see that, you know, they see the Christian life as a problem because I'm bored? It's because you haven't found God's life yet. When you find God's life, I haven't been bored for a long, long time. Boredom is not one of my issues. <laughs> I have other issues. That's not one of them. <laughs> because I'm daily saying, Lord, help me to lose my life. Help me to lose my life today, again. And what do you want me to do? Help me to lose my life. And Lord, what do you want me to do? It's amazing in our Christian world that, you know, one of the challenges for the church is so much of the worldly positive thinking's come into the church. And uh, you can go to church and can be just, people can just be loving going to a motivational message. I like to be motivated, 
But a motivational message may at times have nothing to do with the Word of God. I have that many Christians over the years say to me, oh, I'm looking for my opportunity. <laughs> right. <laughs> or I found my opportunity. Or I've been offered an opportunity. And I'm like, I don't kind of know what that has to do with if you lose your life, you'll find it. Has the world so crept in that we don't even stop to go, hang on a minute, this opportunity may actually be embracing more of the life that I want, not the life that Jesus wants. So we have to say, Lord, help me to embrace the life you have, take up my cross and follow you, which means serving people. And Lord, help me to lose my old life. By the way, everybody, God knows what you, He knows your life. He knows what He has for you. I think you heard this story too. I still laugh about it. But when I was in Rwanda, walking down the street with Justin, who's our compassion child, became our, the, uh, the son God gave us from Rwanda, who now, from a six-year-old boy, who and I sponsored, who's now on our staff in Zambia. And is a pastor on our team, 29 years old, and just bought us the land for church in Zambia. It's such a miracle price. But I remember walking down the street with Justin and started just, I'm in Rwanda going, like, I didn't choose Rwanda. I didn't choose Zambia. I didn't choose what we're doing. What I chose to do is say, Lord, help me to lay down my life and do what you're asking us to do and me to do and Sue to do. What are you asking us to do? And, um, and uh, I remember as a child, as my parents were fighting so much that, you know, I remember when the black and white TV came, yay, as a kid. Black and white was cool. And, uh, and I said, as soon as the James Bond movies, those old James Bond movies started when I was a kid, I'd always try and watch it because it was kind of a form of escape from a life where our life was so small. I never went to a restaurant until I was 16. And I went, I just, it was all small, nothing changing. And I remember seeing James Bond in Eastern Europe and different things, you know. And, uh, and even then, something in me of adventure, I think God put it in me. But there was adventure in there, right? So suddenly I have a flash. I'm in Rwanda all these decades later. And I start telling Justin the story, walking in the street with him in Rwanda, just walking in the, you know, in the beautiful green hills of Rwanda. And then I'm, you know, I'm telling him, and I said, and the guy's name was 007. And Justin's like, oh, why was that? You know, anyway, so just, you know, that was his spy number and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, telling the story. And I said, it's so funny, Just, because now look what an adventurous life I have. You know, I'm doing what God's called me to do. And here I am in Rwanda. And, uh, and, you know, and you've become such a key part of our lives. And I'm just like telling a story. And then when I get to the hotel, I'm walking in with him. And the lady says, oh, pastor, you've arrived. I'll take you to your room. And uh, Justin says, I'll grab your bag, take it down. And I'm walking down the corridor with him. I was just telling that story. And I get to my door. This is only like two years ago. And on the door is 007. <laughs> not five, not four, 007 in Rwanda. And I just went like this. Lord, you are too funny. So what I'm saying to everybody is, God knows all about you. God knows all about me. He knows what's in us. He knows what He's put in us. And He's not trying to stop me having a good life. He's actually trying to get me to fulfill the very thing I was put on the planet to do. And you. <laughs> and you. That's not just for me. Don't just go, oh, Pastor, that's a lovely story for you. No, 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 I'm telling the story because it's your life. You're 007. In God's kingdom, somewhere, you're 007. <laughs> Some of you know right now, you're undercover. 
You can't say what you like to say. Uh, but God's got you there in fields that are challenging. But you are 007. But just keep saying, Lord, help me not to look for how it works for me. Help me to ask you, Lord, where do you want me to lay down your life? You know, when you serve in God's kingdom and you take the, that, you follow Jesus and it's costly service, you take up your cross, listen, it's spiritual warfare. When people ask you, hey, would you like to be involved in serving God's house? Listen, you need to know this. It's not, hey, would you like to do a job? It's, would you like to enter into the very thing that Jesus modeled and who Jesus is? And would you like to enter into spiritual warfare against the enemy? When you take the posture of a servant, it is the antithesis of the devil's kingdom. It is the opposite of the devil's kingdom. The devil's kingdom is self, self-orientation, self-thinking. Isaiah 14, the devil says, I will lift myself up. I will raise myself up. I will do this. I will do that. I will be above the heights. I will, I will, I will. And the end of the passage, God says, no, you won't. You'll be put down. <laughs> You'll be cast down. So whenever a Christian takes up servanthood in the kingdom, you are entering into spiritual warfare to break up the devil's territory. He hates it. He's like, oh, I got you selfish and look at you now. I just got you full of you and now you're making it about Jesus and people. Ah, the devil hates it when somebody enters into spiritual warfare through serving. So whether you're in the children, in the car park, welcoming, creating. By the way, all the business people who all your time is given to making finance for the kingdom. If Jesus is the CEO of your business and you're making finance for the kingdom, can I just say this to you? You are in serving ministry. Some of you haven't got the time to be in church after doing a lot of serving things because you have already made your decision. Jesus, you're the CEO of my job, our business, and you are working to finance the kingdom of God. Well, we are not, and I'm not going to be saying, hey, give us your life to serve in God's house because you're doing it. You're serving through financing His mission, financing His house, financing uh, the various campuses where we're taking the gospel of Christ. Your feet are consecrated through your financial giving in Jesus' name. So don't be thinking that you're not serving because you're raising finance. You're absolutely serving. Absolutely serving. Can somebody say amen to that? Absolutely. So... To, some, good, some more thoughts here. To deny oneself is to beware only of Christ and no more of self. I love that. To see only Him who goes before and no more the road, which is too hard for us. <laughs> we suddenly lose the hardship of our road to go hang on and following Him and I see Him. Being Christ-like is often staying at your post when you're in discomfort. Being Christ-like is staying at your post. Where did God plant you? Where did God call you? What did God put in your hand? What, who are you with? Staying at your post. And Bible talks about that in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, you know, about standing at your post. And uh, we've been trying to do that for decades, though no one stood at our post. Sue and I didn't have parents staying at the post for us. <laughs> we had to learn, this is the heart of God, stay at your post. Despite what people do or don't do, stay at your post. Despite how we feel. Despite how we feel, stay at your post when in discomfort, is actual service. One writer wrote this, I like it. He said, he said his prayer, as I make my plans for this year, he prayed, Jesus, let your thoughts become my thoughts and let my thoughts bend my will to your will. Oh, wow. How powerful is that? 
Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, everyone can be great. Everyone can be great because everyone can serve. Life's most urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Wow. For Christians, everybody, just know this, serving starts in God's house. When you start serving in the house of God, it engages, listen, your destiny. You engage into destiny when you start serving, when you pick up something in the house of God, when you carry something, when you continue to carry something that's got a little bit of weight to it or more weight or a lot of weight, it engages your destiny and also it, it, it changes your children's destiny. Our children's destinies would change because Sue and I engaged in serving when we had no Christian model in our family to look at and to go by. No one had gone. We had no Christians before us, but we engaged in that and we didn't realise that that would change the destiny of it for our children and now our grandchildren in Jesus' name. So engaging in service changes the destiny of those who serve. You want to be great in the kingdom? Jesus said, the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. And, um, and uh, R.C. Sproul said, everybody's actually serving The only question is, whom are they serving? Everybody's serving. The only question is, whom are they serving? Who who have you been serving? I'm too little a God to serve. (laughs) I'm too small a God to serve, to make myself the God of my life. I need to serve the God who's real. David Jeremiah said a great one too. He said, when you follow God's will for your life, you can see how yesterday's events prepared you for today's challenges and tomorrow's opportunities. Ooh. When you follow God's will for your life, you can see how yesterday's events prepared you for today's challenges and tomorrow's opportunities. Jesus says that when we feed the hungry in Matthew 25, when we invite a stranger in, when we help those who've been sick or in prison, Jesus actually says, you're doing it unto me. Let's never lose sight of that, everybody. When we, what we do for those who are suffering, Jesus actually nails it and says, you're not actually doing that for them. You're actually doing that unto me. In Philippians 2 verse 20, Paul in the early church makes the most dramatic statement, which I'm still challenged with today. Every time I read it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is huge two verses. But he says in Philippians 2 about Timothy, he goes, in the early church, he's talking about the early church. So this is tens of thousands of people. And he goes, I have no one else like Timothy. Let's just stop, on, let's just stop and think about that for a minute. Early church is probably 60,000 people, 50,000 people. He goes, I've got no one else like this guy. I'm like, oh my gosh. Does that, does that hit you? He goes, I've got no one else like Timothy. Stop. And he goes, who genuinely cares about your welfare. He goes, all the others care for themselves. Not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son, like a daughter, with his father, he, she has served with me in preaching the good news. Wow, that, that, those two verses, I just, you know, get to them in the Bible and kind of read, try and read on. <laughs> it costs. He's like, I got no one else like this guy. And he's telling the early church, everybody else is into their thing, not my thing. And he goes, my thing is this, preaching, seeing people get saved, helping the poor, helping the needy, seeing churches get planted. He goes, yeah, I wanted everybody to be on board, but I've got him. Because here's what he's saying. Everybody else has got unseen motives. Everybody else has got unseen motives. Everybody, 
the Lord looks at our motive. Jesus looks at the motive. We can't, I can't see your motive. He can't, you can't see mine. We can't see motives. But Jesus is looking at the motive. Why do you want to do that? Why do you not want to do that? <laughs> Why are you doing that? Why don't you do that? Jesus gets peels back and goes, I see the motive. And then goes, Paul goes, yeah, got no one else saying except this guy. <laughs> Everybody, let's all say, Jesus, help us to be Timothy. <laughs> help us, Lord. We need your help. And don't be put off when you have the enemy come against you. The devil attacks people who are doing it God's way. The devil attacks churches that do it God's way. Not everybody's doing it Jesus' way. The, de- the devil will leave some people alone. He's like, oh, they're, they're doing their thing. That's, so long as we're doing our thing, we're not in spiritual warfare. So the enemy's happy. That's why many churches around the world, people come to church, then they go home, then they come to church, then they go home. And the enemy is actually very happy with that because there's no spiritual flow. There's no, no blood flowing. But he knows when somebody engages, oh my gosh, no, don't do that. Don't serve with the children. Don't help there. Don't be financing the kingdom. Don't. He'll attack those people because he knows, listen, generations will be changed. Generations are potentially changed. When we say, Lord, help us to serve with the right motive, Timothy, help us to become some sons and daughters in the kingdom. We are, and also helping, he was helping Paul, helping other people, listen, helping other people who are carrying loads at higher levels. Sometimes people are carrying loads you can't see. There's some people carrying loads and they're so big. And for those who've been carriers, you know what I'm talking about. People can't see it. They think everything's wonderful. No, they're carrying great spiritual loads. So what we need to be saying is, Lord, help me to be the kind of Christian like Timothy that alleviated Paul's load. Timothy was alleviating Paul's load. That's why he served me like a son. What do sons do? Hey, Dad, I'll help carry this. Dad, I'll help with that. Dad, I'll help with this. And so he's alleviating the load of Paul. He's alleviating the leader in front. He's alleviating the ministry. Everybody, if you want to mature as a Christian, be somebody who's there to help alleviate. And realise, here's the thing, whenever you are serving, you start to impact somebody's grandchildren. I love to serve people. There's days it's challenging, days it's tiring. But I'm always looking at people and thinking, hang on, I really want to see your grandchildren serve God. I really want to see your children know the Lord. I really want to see your grandchildren love Jesus and know His love and know His forgiveness. And that's, that's what I want. I don't ever just serve for the here and now. I'm always thinking, wow, the potential way after. Long when I'm gone, hopefully some seeds of service that I've done will live on and help people. In Jesus' Name. Everybody, live your life so that the seeds of your service live on and maybe help children right now who are in in hell in life out here in Perth. But because of your service, somehow they heard the Gospel and now they've been saved and are in God's Kingdom, forgiven, loved and hope-filled in Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. Could you stand up with me? I'm just going to read one more Scripture over you and then pray. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 to 11. Listen to this, so powerful. 
in case you think, does it mean anything what I do? Does it count for anything to God? For God is not un- so God for God is not unjust. So as to forget your work and the love which you have shown for His name in ministering to the needs of the saints. That's God's people as you do. Verse 11, as we de- and we desire for each one of you to show the same diligence. What's that? All the way through, all of your life, so as to realise and enjoy the full assurance of hope until the end. God's not unjust, everybody. He's not forgetting your work. He's not forgetting your labour of love in that you minister and you minister to the needs of the saints. We also minister beyond the needs of the saints. You need to know God sees it. God sees it. He's gonna honour you for the things that you are doing in His Name, for His Name, for His house, in Jesus' Name. God's not forgotten it. God remembers what you have done in Jesus' Name. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.